0: Good morning. Welcome back to our program. I hope the Lord has been blessing your heart through our ministry at Family of Grace. If you have your Bible this morning, you can turn with us to the book of Joshua. We'll begin looking there at circling our way to victory. I hope the Lord will richly bless your heart through this sermon today. If there's any way that we can be a blessing to you or your family, please give us that privilege and opportunity at Family of Grace. If you're here and you were not here last week, we launched our new sermon series on the Circle Maker. I encourage you to go online and view that so that you don't miss a <clears throat> critical point because each one is a stepping stone for the next sermon. So uh, we're excited about what God is doing. And man, as we begin this this morning, I want you to understand we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua in chapter 6. Last week we looked at the prayer of Jesus, not our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, but the prayer of Jesus where he looked, in, where he looked up, upwardly towards God, the Father, where he looked inwardly to his self-examination, and only then afterwards of communion with the Father and examination of himself that he began to turn outwardly and pray for others. One of the things also I want you to be reminded of is that um, last week what we talked about was that in the middle of whatever it is you're praying for, that you begin to pray vertically, that we spend too much time praying horizontally, You know, Lord, help this, Lord, help this, Lord, help this, Lord, help this. And not enough time having communion with God where we pray vertically. And in the middle of whatever your prayer life is, whatever it is that you're praying for, we want you to have the cross there. And if the cross be in the middle of it, then everything would be centered. Everything would be right where it is. At Family of Grace, we're an interesting family. We're an interesting family because... We're we're made up of people from every culture group, many different races, and even nationalities, and we're on a mission to look a little bit like our city. We're on a mission to look a little bit look just like our city. Not a little bit. We're not there yet, but we're well on our way, and uh, we need your help to get there. And these kind come out by prayer and fasting alone. And so as we're beginning to pray, Lord, help us reach our city, we must be praying vertically. It's not about me, it's not about your pastoral staff, it's not about the worship team, it's not about who's on first or who's in charge. It's about Christ and that Christ be lifted up. And if Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men unto me. It's about us teaching one another to think critically. Not that you would just believe something because I said so but that you would think critically. We have enough of that in America, in in our school systems, what they're teaching our children, and then in the churches, what people are teaching in the churches, that we would think critically. We looked last week at how we're going through this study of the circle maker, and as you go through that, there will be some things in there that you may not agree with. But I tell you what you can agree with is all the principles in the book that teach you how to pray more effectively, and we go through the DVDs in our missional communities. You know, guys, here's what we need more than anything. We need you to plug in to be part of a missional community and make a difference for the glory of God. We are an odd bird. We end up being a 90% Caucasian church on Sunday morning and a 90% African-American church on Wednesday evening. Now, isn't that odd? However, that is not sufficient. It is our goal to not be different, but to be unified. Therefore, what we need is this. We need you as young Caucasian people to go start reaching youth and children of your culture group, of your race, of your demographic. Bring them to church on Wednesday night. Plug them in for the glory of God. What we need you on Sunday mornings is to begin to reach your moms and dads from the African American community and say, Come meet this crazy preacher Who's saying things that are changing my life. And together we begin to pull those things. It's not going to happen. There is no pixie dust that we can sprinkle around the building and say, boom, there it is. It takes hard work. It takes effort. It takes drive. It takes initiative. But I'm telling you, it is the commission by a holy God. Not that we would be a church of a demographic. Now listen, there's people that just say do that because it is the easiest thing to do. The hardest thing to do is reach somebody who's not like you. Love somebody who's not like you. Comes from a different walk of life. But listen, I want you to know that we all come from one Father who is above, who's in all and through all and for all. And today, what well, we need to do more than anything, why in the world am I preaching on circle making? Because what we need to understand, first of all, is that we need God's power, we need God's presence more than we ever needed it before. And how do we do that? We're going to take these principles and begin to lay down a foundation that we can begin to equip and build our life and ministry on. As we look at this this morning, I want to talk to you about moving forward in circles. Moving forward to victory in circles. Now, you know, if you know much about warfare, there's not many battles that are, that are won by marching in circles. Matter of fact, most people, when they win warfare, they're moving forward linearly. They're moving forward in a straight pattern. We as Westerners and as Americans, we think linearly. We think point A to to point D to point G down the line. We think linearly. However, Christ is interested in circles. As Pastor Ralph said, you know, so much that the world is a sphere. The earth is a, is a sphere, and it rotates in a circle. Everything rotates in a circle. The 24 elders are sitting in a circle around the throne in heaven. And we could go on and on and on talking about circles and how God's interested in them. Matter of fact, the Bible says he sits above the circle of the earth in, in the heavens in the book of Job. And as we think about this, he told Joshua, I want you to march around this city, and I want you to win a victory Going in circles. How many of you think it's very fun to walk in circles, drive in circles? I know a lot of you men do because you don't want to stop and ask for directions. But you know, it's not a lot of fun going in circles. You feel like you're not getting anywhere. However, sometimes God wants us to move in circles, but then other times God doesn't want us to just move linearly from point A to the next point. Because in moving that way, you may miss the very thing that God has in store for you. The very blessing that God has in store for you. For instance, someone a lot smarter than me figured this out. That by the number of children of Israel, and by the number of children of Israel that, that was there, that if they went out from Egypt in a, in a paired up line, that by the time the last ones left Egypt, the first ones would have been going into the promised land. Had they took the Egyptian trade route, which was a, which, which a modern-day interstate for them, which was a straight shot from Egypt over to the land of Canaan, by the time the last ones would have left, the others would have already been in the Promised Land. But God didn't do that in their life. He took them on a circle around. He, matter of fact, they left on the Egyptian trade route and they they were traveling in one direction and they began to turn due southward. And on that journey due southward, they got to a place three days into the journey with no water and they finally came to a place called Myra and the water was so bitter they couldn't drink it. And they began to complain because they couldn't go any further without water. They were too far to continue and they were too far to go back. And so God made the water sweet admira. And they got a drink. And then they went on just a little bit further down the road to a place called Elam. And a place called Elam was at Elam there was seventy springs and seventy palm trees. Where there wasn't a spring for everybody, but there was a spring for every family. And there they found the strength at the springs of Elam to make it to the bottom of the peninsula. And at the bottom of the peninsula was a place called Mount Sinai, which was nowhere near the promised land. You can tell a man was leading this trip, but it wasn't Moses. It was God the Father. And he was taking them on an assignment to a place where they could meet with God. But in going to a place where they could meet with God, they had to get to a place where they came to the end of themselves. And what I want you to know, that God is trying to do a work in our life, but many times you're going to have to get to the end of yourself where you can't go one more day unless the power of God shows up. Some of you young people are living in situations that you can't make it one more day unless the power of God shows up. I'm telling you not to quit, not throw in the towel, not give up, because there is an elum on the horizon. There's a place where you can find a fresh drink. There's a place where God will meet you there. God's not interested in where he's taking you, he's interested in where he's meeting you. Bikers have a mentality and they say it's never about the destination, it's all about the journey. And for Moses, it wasn't about getting to the Canaan land, it was about getting the children of Israel not to the place where God had promised them, but to the place where God wanted to meet them. And today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, right where some of you are, it may feel like hell has surrounded you. It may feel like you're about to go down, but I want you to know on the authority of the word of God at the place where you may be ready to throw in the towel may just be the place that a holy God wants to meet you and show something about himself to you that you've never experienced before. Don't you give up. Don't you let up. Because God's got a plan. We see here with Joshua, he had a plan. Joshua God told Joshua, if you look with me in in verses uh, 1 through 5, it becomes very interesting. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up. It was forfeited because of the children of Israel. Now Jericho would be be known as the United States of America. They had power. They had strength. They had might. They had forfeited walls. Now I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about them, but you just know this. They were so wide that they could run chariots around the top of them. Can you say this with me? That's a big wall. Let's, let's do it one more time. That's a big wall. And so, man, as they were, as they were in that, on that, around that wall, they were shut up inside of the wall. Why were they shut up? Because they were scared. Or they were scared. Depending on what part of the country you're from. Nevertheless, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn because they were being overwhelmed. Why? Because they had heard about the miracles. They had heard about the Red Sea. They had heard about the the plagues in Egypt. They had heard about all those things. They had heard about the power of God. And they were fearful of the power of God. And so there they were. And it says they were sitting in this city and they were shut up. And no one was leaving or no one was entering. They were on lockdown. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho and its king and its fighting men over to you. March around the city with the men, all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns, trumpets in front and back. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn, and you hear its blast, have all the people give a mighty shout and the city of the wall will collapse. And the people will advance each man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, he summoned the priests and said to them, Hey, take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the people, Move forward, march around the city, have the armed troops go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord moved forward and blew the trumpet. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the people something very interestingly here. He said, do not shout, or do not even let out a holy grunt. That's my translation. For let your voice be heard. Don't let one word out until the time I say for you to shout. Then you are to shout. Let's stop right there for a moment. And before you tune me out and say, oh, I've heard a lot better preachers than you preach on Jericho, let me give you a confession. Man, when I was studying this, and I have preached on this dude a lot, but when I was preaching, when I was preparing for this message, man, the Lord showed me something I had been preaching in a wrong fashion. Because you see, I always preach this. You know how hard of a job Joshua had as a leader, trying to get people to march around the city, one day in, one day out, and have them marching around that city and marching around that city and marching around that city and marching around that city. And how probably on the third and fourth day, it was okay probably on the first and second because they were thinking, this is cool, we've never passed this way before and all this stuff. But man, about the fourth and fifth day, and they were marching around the city, I used to preach, man, don't you know Joshua had a hard time because, man, don't you know they were grumbling, they were complaining and saying, what in the world's this old fool got us into? But man, when I was preparing for this, I realized, man, I had missed a mark. But you see, I believe it was opposite of that. Because I believe when they were circling that thing, they were circling it in prayer. I believe they were circling that thing with a spirit of humility. They were circling with a spirit of obedience. As they were circling that thing, not only were they circling it in prayer, but they were circling the wall in faith. Why? Why were they marching around the city? Because God said so. And as they were marching around that city and going around and around and around that city, you know what? Their faith wasn't growing weaker. It wasn't growing frailer. They weren't in a condition of grumbling or, or, or murmuring. No, i tell you why. i tell you how I know this. Because the Lord revealed to me that when they shouted, they shouted in a way that was so great of a shout that the wall came crumbling down. And you say, how would you get that out of that? Well, had they been m- murmuring and complaining and grumbling for about three days, there wouldn't have been much of a shout, would it they ain't shouting. That old man's had us out here marching. There wouldn't have been much of a shout. Now, here's what I believe. I believe, number one, that God brought the wall down. But here's what I believe, number two, that God used man to do it. Matter of fact, science has proved and history has proved that the sound of a great sound can bring down structures. Matter of fact, during World War II, Hitler had an army. And they were marching across this bridge and they were keeping time. And as they were all marching across the bridge, the whole width of the bridge, they were marching and they were a lot better than me. I couldn't have been in his army because all of you know I can't keep time because you watch me clap during worship. Can I get a witness? And they were marching across that bridge. And as they were going across that bridge, all of a sudden, the bridge failed. They've since come back and proved that the sound of the beat in unison, everybody marching in unison, all of those hundreds of soldiers collapsed the bridge. I'm telling you that when they got to the day where they were supposed to shout, the shout was so great that the wall came tumbling down. Was it all God? Absolutely. Did man have part in it? Absolutely. Why? God could have brought the wall down before the children of Israel ever got there. But God wasn't interested in that because Victory is only sweet when you have part of it. I mean, who do you think is more victorious? The people who watch football on TV or those who participate in the field? Who do you feel, think feels worse about the loss? Those who lose or those who watch the loss? God said, I don't want to do this thing without you. Joshua, I want to use the children of Israel to be at the end of themselves. Don't bring your sword. Don't bring your weapons. Because I want to use your voice. I want you to circle that wall. Circle that wall day in, day out. Day in, day out. In faith. I want you to circle that wall in perseverance. You say, how do you think they circle it in perseverance? I can tell you why. Because on the seventh day and the seventh lap, he still had a crowd. to be too smart to figure that out hey we're persevering time and time and time again and they kept circling the wall and circling the wall But they were had an anxious spirit No sir, I believe every day As they were marching around that wall That first day they were probably marching like this And the second day they were probably Marching like this And the third day they were probably marching like this But I tell you something, I believe on that seventh day When they got up in the camp I believe there was a new spring in their step Because they knew That it was a day of victory And I believe they probably went around that first Circle that day with little holy strut in their step a little glide in their stride you're picking up what I'm putting down but I believe probably you say preacher you can't prove this I know I can't you can't prove it didn't happen either amen I believe about that six times there was probably a little skip in their step and say we're about to bring this baby down we're about to bring this baby down it was under their breath of course because God said they couldn't say a word well amen Well, a lot of people would have liked to have been part of that worship service. (laughs) But I'm telling you, on that seventh time, on that seventh day, when they began to blow that trumpet, they had some pinned up frustration in their worship. Because they had had, they had to contain their worship. Day in, day out, day in, day out. And I am telling you that on that seventh day, on that seventh lap, when they got to let out the shout, after they had persevered around the wall, after they had circled the wall in perseverance, after they had circled the wall in faith, after they had circled the wall in prayer, they circled the wall in praise. And I want you to know something. I want you to know that when praises go up, blessings come down. Say that with me. When praises go up. Blessings come down. When praises go up, blessings come down. Problem is we never get to see the praises go up because we just have grumbling going up. I'm telling you, just let's get, I I tell myself all, all the time, pastor, please get over yourself. Guys, we're a mixed up bunch here. We come from all different walks of life. We have all kind of different religious backgrounds that you went to as a child. And you have your own view and ideas of what church should be like. And if you're not careful, you'll let your past rob you of your future. God's not interested in where you've been. He's interested in where he wants to take you. God's not interested in you living in Egypt, living in bondage, eating garlic and onions and making bricks all day. God has some things he wants you to conquer. And when you're conquering those things, the victory is not over with. Matter of fact, God came to Joshua one day, and I love this verse. He says, hey, Joshua, you're old. You know you're old when God says you're old. He said, but son, there remains lots of territory to still be conquered. Get up. I am telling you, I need you to rise up. Because there's a lot to conquer. And we need to circle it. You say what in the world does circling have to do with anything I tell you what I want you to do today There's some Jerichos in your pathway That is your greatest struggle They're your greatest fear You can't go around them, you can't go over them And you can't go under them, you can only go through them And what I want you to do today Is to begin to believe God Like you've never believed God before I'm not talking about believing God For a bigger house Believing God for a better job I'm not talking about believing God For some prosperity movement in your life I'm talking about believing God for the will of God to be found in the place of God in your life believe in God for it what is your biggest burden today if we went down the line and asked every one of you what is your biggest burden you'd be surprised how many different ones there would be And I want you to know something today. God knows right where you are. He knows that there is a Jericho in your pathway. We don't have a God who wants you to tuck your tail and run. No, we have a God who wants to bring you through it. Through it. Look with me if you would at verse 15. It's an interesting verse here in chapter 6. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn, and they marched around the city seven times in the same way that was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priest blew the trumpet, and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. You know, the Lord has given you a lot of stuff. But you may just be too bitter to claim it. You've lost your shout you won't be part of what God's trying to do because it doesn't look like what you've known stuff to look like. It doesn't fit your robe of religion. God's not interested in religion. He's interested in a relationship. As we try to develop a church that represents a worship style that would fit many cultures. You have to understand, you've got to let go of what you know to get what you've never seen. As we've gone through this sermon this morning, if God has spoken to your heart and your life, let him be a blessing to you. Let him just take your hands off your life and let him take your life to the next level. Maybe maybe you're not able to join us. Maybe you're limited physically and just can't get out of the home or the place where you live, and, and, and you can't go to the streets with us week in and week out. But right there where you are, you can begin to pray for us, place us in the middle of your circle, and begin to pray for God's power and provision in our life. If you'd like, we could email you a list of that, email a list of those things, or you can call the office, and we'll give you a list of the things that are our greatest barriers and our greatest struggles. And then begin to share what is our greatest dream. I hope the Lord has spoken to your heart and richly blessed you today.
1: Looking for childcare? Visit College Camp, located in the heart of Pineville. It is a license A facility that has been in since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. This ministry would not be possible without these partners.
2: For more than 55 years, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has become the largest sports ministry in the world. This was accomplished with what we call the four C's of ministry, coaches, campus, camps, and community. Coaches are one of the most important parts of our ministry. Coaches have tremendous influence in our world, and what we're trying to do is help them become authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we see transformation in the lives of their families, in their players, in their communities, and ultimately the world of sports has changed for Jesus Christ. To
0: have people praying for you, to have people uh, bringing resources to you to help you in your Christian growth, help you in your way to relate to your players.
2: If you love your kids and you love Christ, it just makes sense to be involved in FCA. Each week across America, 350,000 students and coaches meet at their school campus and worship pray and study God's Word. They are participating in one of 7,000 campus huddles led by student leaders and coaches. They
0: look to you and, and they respect you for making
1: the decisions to not do drugs, to not do alcohol. It can impact, in such a short amount of time, an entire campus.
2: These athletes and coaches serve the entire campus by providing their school with team Bible studies, chapel programs, and assemblies. The over 300 sports camps FCA conducts nationwide are a time of inspiration and perspiration. Over 46,000 athletes and coaches experience sports training, leadership development, and spiritual impact.
0: With FCA camp, I was able to find out what it was, or maybe at least a partial purpose of what God has plan for me.
2: It is here that leadership is developed. FCA reaches beyond the campus to impact entire communities, partnering with volunteers and parents through local churches and businesses.
1: I would like to take a few moments to recognize the people who made this ministry possible. Tamp Grind coffee shop in downtown Alexandria. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a break and a wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all these services we can provide. You can reach us at 318-308-3754.